0: Welcome to Dynamo's Dozen, the podcast that I bring you each and every single week where I will talk about whatever may be on my mind. From pro wrestling, sports, entertainment, music, movies, musically fresh socks and jocks, and everything in between, never forgetting the talk. This is Dynamo's Dozen. Welcome to Dynamo's Dozen and this week on Dynamo's Dozen I have a big time guest A man that is becoming a king of not just the wrestling podcast world but the podcast world in general This has been in the works for a couple of months and I'm very, very, very happy to say that today I will welcome Conrad Thompson the host of Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard and What Happened When with Tony Schiavone. This will no doubt be a phenomenal show. Like I always say, I am the gift that keeps on giving and the voice that keeps on singing. So let's roll! So now it's time for the main event, the big deal, and the time to let your ear holes open up and take you into the world of one half of the award-winning sports podcast Something to Wrestle With. And What Happened When, two of the biggest podcasts on the planet and shows that are a must listen for any fan. Conrad Thompson, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the best in the business and he has taken his time from his incredibly busy schedule to talk to me today. Welcome to the show, Conrad. How are you?
1: Hey man, I'm great. I really appreciate all the kind words and uh, it's an honor to uh, be asked on. I appreciate you having me on the show today.
0: Thank you, sir. It's an honor for, for to have you on as well. I'm a big, big fan, as are a lot of my listeners, too. Uh, I think every wrestling fan's a, a fan of, of either of your shows, anyway, or, you know, it's... Uh, what. Trade? Well, I hope
1: so. We're working hard at it, and we're having a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, they're, they're not short episodes, are they?
1: No. Uh, the new uh, Jake the Snake episode I uh, just taped last night with Bruce, and uh, we're nearly four hours on that one, but we got all things Jake Roberts, and uh, I'm proud of the way it
0: turned out. That's awesome. I actually have, a, because of the, the, you know, it's the one thing that I usually listen to, you know, at a workout or, you know, it, it's an awesome show because even though you might not sit and listen to it, you know, in full, you can always pause it and go back to it because they're so long. And the last two that I listened to was the the one with the Bret Hart 96-97, which, you know, I'm a big Bret Hart Mark myself. And that was an incredible insight. I mean, even for you as a fan, I'm sure you're sitting there and learning things that you didn't even know beforehand.
1: Yeah, I spent a lot of time researching that one. I do think it's it's one of our more epic shows just because it's so doggone long. It's nearly five hours. But the show, you know, I I think... Tells maybe the most fascinating story of my lifetime. You know, Brad Hart's 96, 97. Yeah. I don't think we'll be paralleled, just as, the you know, all the controversy that surrounded it. Um, it was just uh, an interesting time in wrestling. I don't think we'll ever see anything like that again.
0: No, and I mean, it, it was good the way Bruce put a positive spin on it, too, because, you know, it was all, all people talk about is the actual incident, but they forget about those two, that, you know, year-and-a-half, two-year run that, that Brett actually had it was it was an amazing time in wrestling period
1: no you're exactly right and that's what we tried to do with this show is not make it just about one night in Montreal but let's talk about you know how we got there and him coming back into the company in the fall of 1996 and uh everything that led up to it prior to that you know through the fall of 95 you know the full run from Survivor Series 95 all the way to Survivor Series 97 of course at 95 he beat Diesel for the it to Sean two years later in the most controversial fashion possible, but what a run, you know, they're trying, Shawn Michaels on top and him sort of passing the torch, they're trying the Attitude Era, you know, it's Degeneration X and Stone Cold's flipping people off and he's a heel, but only for one country, it's just an interesting time
0: in the business, nobody's got a story like that. Yeah, and I just finished this kind of segues into uh, the one that I just finished there today, which was Russo's, and he was responsible for absolutely everything in the world great ever, but we'll get on to him later. (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's a a fun episode. You know, it's kind of fun that we've been able to uh, come up with a formula for the podcast where you don't have to listen to these on a timetable. You know, they don't, I guess the buzzword is evergreen. These things don't expire, so the Vince Russo story... Is going to be interesting forever. It's not just relevant this week or last week. Yeah, and you can just sort of enjoy these shows at your own pace. It's almost like a novel. You just take it off the shelf and pick it up when you're ready. And if you need to fold the page down and come back to it, you can. It'll be ready for you.
0: Yeah, it's a hundred percent. But we will we will get into the podcast. But I want to start off a little bit with uh, with you yourself, Conrad Thompson, the man behind the mic. Okay, um, we'll start at the beginning. You were born in Guntersville, Alabama. Am I correct? Well, I was
1: actually born in Montgomery, Alabama, okay. uh, which is our state capital, and I grew up in Prattville, Alabama, which is a suburb of there, but when I was 12 years old, maybe 11, um, we moved to Gunnersville Alabama, and I graduated high school there, and then uh, started college uh, in that same county, and then when it came time to uh, get a real job, I found work here in Huntsville, Alabama, and I've been here ever since.
0: Okay, and you uh, so what was your upbringing like there did you move a lot was wrestling a big part of your 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 upbringing or was it something that you found on your own
1: uh, my parents rented a vhs for me in the summer of 1988 it was the two tape set for wrestlemania 4 oh. and back then you would go to the video store and, and rent a vhs and that was sort of the babysitter uh, on the weekends. Yeah. and i just wore out the wrestlemania 4 tape and i was hooked man i was a, a super fan for all of Oh, the rest of 88 all of 89 90 91 and most of 92 by January of 93 I sort of phased out. Uh, so post January 93 like I watched the first Raw, and that was probably it for me.
0: Yeah. It's yeah because I mean you're you're a similar age to me and I remember I remember well going to the video store and you know, my family would try to get me to pick a movie, some stupid kid movie, but it would always be wrestling. <laughs> it was, it was, but that's how simple life was. You could just rent an incredible amount of uh, incredible amount of, of wrestling, and it would be like it just happened last night to you. Do you know what I mean? Even though it was probably three or four years ago, <laughs> it was it was incredible time. Um, yeah,
1: it's it's kind of interesting the way it's all changed because back then, of course, you had to go to the video store and rent tapes. Yeah, and then about ten years after that. Tape trading became a really, really big deal in the late 90s, and now you know, fast forward 20 years, I guess, and every match you ever wanted is in your pocket. It's pretty crazy.
0: It is crazy, especially with the network. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, it's, uh, it, it's something that kind of, you know, I don't know. I go back and I watch stuff on it that I you know, even all the Saturday Night Lives and everything are on there, but I'm, I'm kind of uh, digressing there, I, one thing I wanted to ask you, so WWF uh, was your kind of, your thing, even though you grew up in an area where it was predominantly probably an NWA, Georgia Championship Wrestling, you know, Mid-South and stuff like that would have been the predominant uh, product where you grew up, would I be correct in that?
1: Not really, you know, I- Uh, In the old school days, you know, maybe 10 years prior to when I became a fan, that was probably absolutely the case. Maybe even five years prior. But when I got in in 88, the WWF was so clearly the number one promotion. You know, Crockett was going out, Turner was going to buy it, and it just wasn't even remotely close, especially to a seven-year-old boy. Yeah. A seven-year-old boy thinks Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man and the Ultimate Warrior, these guys are over the top. Yeah, it took me understanding what the hell was going on to appreciate an Art Anderson.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, but the, I guess the only really colorful, color, color, yeah, should I say colorful character back then was was kind of Sting, maybe in that era. In WCW, the rest were kind of old school guys that were just technicians. Whereas you say in the cartoon world of WWE, you had the color, you had the crazy characters that were just larger than life. So I suppose. I'm probably putting more years onto you there than uh, than you actually <laughs> had prior, you know? <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, I think a lot of people make that assumption because I'm in Alabama that I grew up on Yeah. Uh, Crockett. But I'm I'm just, I was too young for that. Now, if I was five years older, yeah, I probably would have been all about it. Meaning I would have discovered wrestling probably at 83 rather than 88. Yeah. And if that were the case, then yeah, I would definitely be a Crockett guy. But I didn't. I found it in 88, and by that point, WCW was about to be a thing, and the NWA was no more. And that was not... I mean, it wasn't really prevalent in my area. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't watch it. I, I certainly did. But all of my friends wanted the Hasbro WWF action figures, and they had posters on their wall of the Macho Man or the Rockers. We didn't have posters of Ric Flair or the Rock and Roll Express. That was just... You know, not our demographic. They were aiming the product at kids, what the WBF was, and I was a kid. So, as a seven-year-old, I just couldn't get enough.
0: Sure, sure, and uh, I suppose outside of that, you uh, you run as you as you always call yourself the mortgage guy. Do you want to do you want to tell me how that came about? Because you do run a very very successful uh, mortgage company called First Family Mortgage. Um, how was that something you you have been in for a long time or?
1: Yeah, I started doing mortgages August twenty seventh, two thousand one, Okay. and um, it's been really the uh, the thing that's allowed me to do all this other fun stuff, you know, with podcasting because it is a somewhat flexible schedule. Uh, it's not; it's inflexible in that it's twenty four seven, but it is flexible in that it's twenty four seven. So, yeah, uh, I wind up working maybe more than I probably should, or a lot of people expect. <laughs> um, but i'm having a good time and it, and it affords me the opportunity to pursue hobbies like wrestling podcasts
0: so how do you how do you manage such a busy schedule because you put at least 30 hours into podcasting every week would would that be fair
1: well yeah i mean that's probably close you know i've got probably three hours of prep and tony shivani and then the three hour show itself so i've got six hours in shivani and i've probably got um uh, six or eight hours in research for Bruce and then probably the four hour show so we'll call it 12 and 6 so, so yeah there's 20 and then you figure with social media yeah that's probably another good 10 hours a week so I would say 25 30 hours a week well, but you know it, it's helpful that I've got a, uh, a very supportive person in my life and uh, like just yesterday I work a full day I get home around 6:30 and immediately, uh, sit down in my home studio and start recording the podcast with Bruce, and I go from 6.30 to almost 10 o'clock, and then sit down, uh, watch Survivor, and fast forward, come back into the studio, <laughs> and tape a podcast with Johnny Fairplay about Survivor, and that's another 45 minutes, and then finally go to bed. But the result was... Not a lot of people in my house saw me yesterday. Today will be better, though.
0: <laughs> absolutely. And so you're a married man. As I was going to say, behind every good man is a, is a, is a woman, of course.
1: Well, I'm not married, but uh, I do have a very supportive
0: person. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, that's fair enough. I'm not married either, but I may as well be at this point. Um, which leads me. Would you come over and try and get us a mortgage over here in Ireland? Because oh, mortgage prices in Ireland are absolutely crazy. Because the banks control Ireland. That's why. Well, man, I would love to do uh, some lending in Ireland. I'm, it turns out I'm not set up there yet. <laughs> we'll have to get you over. We'll have to get you over. Um. so, that, no, that's good. Cool. And, and how did you actually, I suppose, you know, because you're such a podcasting phenomenon at the moment, your shows that are, are available to people in the backlog of shows that people can go back and listen to um are, are there and uh, uh, you can explain later where i'm pretty sure everyone on the show knows exactly where to find you anyway so i don't think you need to do much uh, much selling on that but how did you first get into podcasting was it something that you always kind of was did you have an interest in radio or
1: yeah i had advertised my mortgage company on the radio going back to 2008 yeah. and part of that uh strategy included me doing live morning drop commercials with uh different on-air personalities, so I got better and better at that, and I'm not saying I'm any good at it, but I got comfortable with, hey, a lot of people are going to hear this, don't make a fool of yourself, and that's the first thing you think about when you're on live radio is, hey, I don't want to sound stupid, Uh, so I got comfortable there, and then eventually uh, some of the hosts that I became friends with, whenever they would have vacation time, they would say, hey, do you want to come in and guest host, so I got comfortable with that. And somewhere along the way, uh, I became uh, friends with Ric Flair. And so when Rick had an opportunity to do a podcast, he knew from my relationship that I was doing live radio every morning, and he knew that I was his friend, and I knew what he considered to be a lot about wrestling. Yeah. And I could kind of help him move the show along. So he felt like I would be a good tag team partner for him to just get acclimated. Because the idea of him just sitting and talking into a microphone was something he wasn't super comfortable with, which sounds ridiculous because he's Rick Flair, but he's like, Who am I gonna talk to? What am I gonna talk about?
0: Yeah. But he
1: felt like if I was there then he could at least get feedback from somebody or something. And that's what Rick really looks for is a reaction. You know, he wants to perform for a crowd. He wants yeah. to see smiles on faces. He wants to hear a laugh. He wants to see some sort of response. And if if he's not getting that and it's just a microphone I'm not sure that he was really comfortable with that, so he asked me to sit in, we did uh, one pilot episode, CBS liked it, Rick liked it, he asked me to keep coming back, and all of a sudden, by accident, I was a podcaster.
0: Sure, and I mean, speaking of Ric Flair, I mean, we're talking about possibly the greatest of all time, Um, how did did that kind of friendship and, and first meeting come about?
1: Uh, it's, it's sort of a weird deal where I'm scrolling through um, eBay in late 2012, sure. and I see a real Ric Flair robe listed for sale, and not a replica robe, but one of his actual ring-used robes. One that he wore? The coolest thing ever. Yeah, one he wore. Wow. So, I buy the robe off eBay eventually, uh, I negotiate with the guy for like three months, and I finally pull the trigger on it, and then I've got it, and it's awesome, but it's like, what am I going to do with this thing? Like, <laughs> So now that you have it, like, I mean, just hang it in your closet? No, no I got you.
0: You could want... wear it when you watch Survivor.
1: Well, there you go. So, so you're like, this is sort of awesome, but sort of silly, too. Like, how do I display this? Yeah. And so I decided, hey, uh, what I'll do is I'll get a mannequin, and I will uh, put the robe on the mannequin, and hey, it would really make it complete if I could put, like, a replica belt like what Ric Flair had as a world title around the mannequin, and then I could just sort of display one of his robes and one of his belts. Well, you can't get a ring-used belt. Like, that's really, really hard to do. Go find a ring-used Ric Flair world title. That's not easy. So I thought, hey, I know what I can do. Let me just see who makes the best big gold. And that's what I knew the belt to be called. So I go find but Dave Milliken is actually the guy who has a cast copy that's very, 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 very close and made by the same people who made the original Big Gold Belt. So I thought, okay, this is the one. Well, Dave and I hit it off because I didn't realize as I was placing my order, this guy lives in Tennessee, so he's right over the state line from me. So we become fast friends, and before I know it, uh, I'm introduced to his good friend Chris James, and Chris James has a brother named Mark James, and Mark James had worked on a lot of old wrestling books all about Memphis, Dutch Mantell, Jerry Jarrett, and at the time, he's working on books with Jim Cornette. And uh, through Mark, I meet Jim Cornette, and through Jim Cornette, I meet J.J. Dillon, etc 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 Eventually, I meet Rick Flair, and uh, we hit it off, and here we are.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's that's an incredible story, like, to, to, to kind of seeing someone that you grow up idolizing and then becoming good friends with him, and then actually doing a podcast with him. And that was a really, really good podcast actually. I, I used to listen to that. Um, very, very regular. That's kind of where I first, first heard yourself obviously as well. Um, that was in April 2015 that started, didn't it? Um, and then obviously it, it kind of, obviously with Rick's, how uh, hey, is Rick down actually? Is he good?
1: He's good, man. He is a different guy than a few years ago. Yeah. Um. I guess even a few months ago, but yeah. he is. Uh. He's happy to have this new new lease on life, and he's making the most of it. That's
0: for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, the thirty for thirty was was pretty. Um, was a, was a roller coaster of emotions, I suppose to say the least. I kind of covered it on the, on my show a couple of weeks ago after it first came out. Um. It really was an incredible show, and I mean, what that guy done for the wrestling business is just incredible. You know. Um, so it's good to hear that he's doing well. And then in August, uh, August 2016, you started uh, something, to, something to wrestle with with Bruce Pritchard. And then how did that actually come about? I'm sure Bruce had obviously heard your previous stuff with Rick. And um, that kind of, you, you formed a friendship with him, I'm sure, before that, yeah?
1: Yeah, so the deal is um, Rick introduced me to Bruce Pritchard, and we did uh, an episode with Bruce on Woo Nation. And we hit it off, and I thought it would be kind of fun to be able to pick Bruce's brain. So um, eventually, I have an opportunity to hang out with Bruce, and we're talking some wrestling. And one thing leads to another, and we realize that based on what he's doing in real life at the time, and what I'm doing in real life at the time, he would be able to help me do some marketing um, for my mortgage company. So we start to do a little work together. And then during one of our visits, he is uh, hanging out at the house. We're on my couch, and I said, "Hey, man, what happened when the Radicals jumped from WCW to the WWF?" And I gotta tell you, I don't even know where that question came from because I'm not a huge Radicals fan. Yeah. I, and I know that's sacrilege to say that Eddie Guerrero or Chris Benoit weren't your favorite wrestler, but they weren't. I just didn't have a connection with them. I enjoyed their work; thought they had phenomenal matches. But I grew up on Hulk Hogan and Rick Flair and guys like that. So. Sure, sure. Anyway, uh, Bruce gives me an hour long answer, and at the end of that answer, I looked at him and said, "Dude, this is a podcast." And he was sort of of the mindset that most people were—that the podcast formula was it's Legend A talking to Legend B and telling stories. Yeah. And he didn't—he wasn't excited by that idea because it is. It is sort of overwhelming, and I think a lot of people maybe lose sight of that, but that game, the podcasting game, is all about downloads, and if people have so many options, and they do, like the podcast landscape inside of wrestling right now is like Baskin Robbins. There's 31 different flavors, and the guest is gold in that... Yeah. A lot of people are going to pick and choose whether or not they listen to this episode based on who the guest is. And they just scroll through and they say, oh, I want to hear from this guy, or no, I don't. And so when you're voting with downloads like that, it becomes very stressful to make sure that you've got good guests and you don't have overexposed guests. And then you're sort of leveraging relationships and friendships to get those guests. And then the company might say, well, you can be on this guy's show, but not on that guy's show. There's so much political BS, and just politics in general, with the whole process, that Bruce was just not interested. And I said, no, that's not what I'm suggesting. They don't want to hear two guys talking about you know, going up and down the road for 30 minutes and laughing about, remember that time at the so-and-so bar? Yes, that's cool, but eventually... He's going to tell that same story on 19 other shows. What they want are the little details like you just gave me. And um, when that episode finally aired, when I finally convinced him that, hey, we should tape a pilot and, and make a run at this, we taped two pilots. And then on the third one, we said, okay, we're ready. We posted our Dusty Rhodes episode. By the time we got around to doing the radicals on the actual show... It was the breakout show for us. It was the show that really broke through download-wise and told us, hey, we've got something. So it was kind of confirmation to me that that story is one that wrestling fans wanted to hear.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's and that is true. That's a, that's a phenomenal kind of way of, um, of looking at it because it was like your mind, you, you probably weren't thinking of doing a podcast, but your mind was, was just something hit and you said, this would really be a good formula. It's like those little little gems that sometimes come into your brain, and you go, "Wow, yeah, that's what I want to do," you know. And it's true what you say about uh, you know about about downloads and stuff like that, and about the because obviously this is a relatively new show here. Myself, you know, um, I started this show on a concept, and I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do with it. I just knew that I had wrestled, you know, in Ireland and the UK, and. Well, I, I I was thinking of it like what do I want to do? I I listen to Jericho show, I listen to Joe Rogan show, I listened to a lot of different podcasts, you know. And I kinda said I want it not to necessarily just be a wrestling show, but hey, here we are, and it just seems to be just kinda turning out that it seems to be a wrestling show every week, you know. But I do agree it's the guest. It is the guest that you need to get on because, you know, it's um it, it, it's kinda gold us, but what you guys have done has been incredible because you've got somebody that was literally there for how many 22 years was it Yep, that's right 22 years so i mean 22 years being really really close associate of uh and i, I like that line that bruce threw in actually sorry it, it just came to me the reason i remember 22 years was because i was listening to the russo podcast earlier and uh i remember you were reading out some of the, the transcripts from uh, vince russo's book and uh he said, "You know, I was this guy and that guy for two years, and Bruce kind of just true. And yeah, I was there for twenty two years. <laughs> I just I like that, you know. But uh, yeah. but that is that is that is true. I mean, Bruce was such a um, most of the success of, of what you and me would have watched as a fan growing up was all down. Bruce was a big big part of that. Like so, it's um, it's it's an amazing concept. I I gotta say, and uh, it kind of leads me to you got." Roughly around three million downloads a month for that podcast alone is that is that was that pretty accurate at the moment?
1: It's just over four million uh, this month as we're winding up November. Um, wow. And and one of the things that I guess I should clear up is a lot of people hear that and I say, oh well, they're doing a million downloads per new episode. No, that's not accurate. Okay, not like the Bret Hart uh, episode, for instance, did more than six hundred thousand uh, its very first week. However. The other 400,000 are from the archives, so I've got, you know, what, 60, 70 other old episodes. So if you think about the idea that each of those episodes get 5,000 plays a week, well that's not a lot, but 5,000 plays a week times 70, well there's your other 350. So we're we're roughly just over a million per week right now, but that's going to include all the archives as well. Yeah. And a lot of that will be based on, hey, what's in the news, what just made T V, what are people talking about. So, like with Starcade coming back, there will be plays of the old Starcade episodes with Tony Shavani and yeah. with the old Dusty Rhodes episode with Bruce. So some of that stuff people just want to sort of go back and flip through. Like you just mentioned you were listening to Russo. We did that like six months ago. Yeah, yeah. And people are still listening and talking about it now. So that was I guess if you know you want to use the word that was the genius behind this strategy in this format is you're going to be able to continue to get downloads for work that you did six eight nine twelve months ago.
0: Yeah, sure, and that's and that's kind of the point, yeah, that I was making. That's why I said it was kind of genius because it's uh, it lends itself to be because it's not necessarily something that you're talking about that is current you know like it's not the hot scoop of, of the week or you know of, of the year it's uh, it's it's talking about history and uh i guess one of the words would be um reminiscing people like to reminisce you know um absolutely uh, and that's that's what's great about it i, I guess and I, I mean even the way you you guys put the shows together with the you know you use the old uh I think the Wrestlemania 6 when you use the old uh, Wrestlemania 6 music, down and you know, it, it kind of adds to the flavor, and it kind of takes you back to that time, you know what I mean, and so it's really, like you say, it's like a great book, you're able to, you're able to kind of, your mind is able to just take you to where you want to be, it's almost like a wrestling show in itself in a lot of ways actually, um, so I commend you on that, for, for that concept, it is it is pretty phenomenal. Him. thanks man I appreciate that. That's I'm I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm only kidding, I'm only kidding. Um so I mean that's separate those figures that you gave me would that be that's just for something to wrestle with. You've got the one with Tony Schiavone as well. Obviously what happened when um how did, how did that come about actually because I remember when uh, when Brett finally left, like I said I was a big Brett fan. So when Brett finally left after the Montreal thing, I kind of went with Brett then, you know. And over here in uh, in Ireland, at the time, there was no um, way to really watch Nitro on a weekly basis unless you had a lot of money and were able to have satellite TV. So we, I think you, we had TNT then on, on satellite, so I didn't have that, but I had an uncle that had it, and I used to buy a big stack of VHSs, I think you got like five five VHSs for like 10 euro, $10 in your currency, and uh, I would give them to him, and tell him to record them for a month, and then every month I would have literally hours upon hours of Nitro, and I have to say, Tony Schiavone for me then became the voice of wrestling for me, you know, Um, and I was a guy in school where nobody knew what WCW was, they didn't really, bar the magazines, you know. They'd have the write-ups in the magazines. So Tony Schiavone for me is one of one of my favorite uh, favorite announcers ever. You know, um, how did the, how did that come about?
1: I knew that uh, Tony had not been overexposed. You know, he sort of walked away from wrestling and didn't really participate much. And I also knew that he was not angling for a job, so he would be able to shoot from the hip. Yeah. But what I knew most of all is he was a professional broadcaster. You know, he had lots of experience with recording equipment and how to carry a show and what to say and when to say and where to say and how to say and just the way the whole production process works. And I knew that, you know, he uh, had... Maybe the most underrated sense of humor ever. I think a lot of people were surprised to hear him on the podcast and yeah. to hear his real personality compared to the TV persona that he presented for so long. Absolutely. And you know, I guess we're all just guilty of assuming that the people we see on TV and the characters they portray, that they're like that in real life. Yeah. And of course, that could not be further from the truth for Tony. So when I saw Tony at the NWA Legends Fan Fest last August, I thought, man, this guy gets it. And he was the talk of the show. Everybody was talking about how hilarious Tony Schiavone was. Yeah. And I saw the success of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard And this January, uh, I sent a real business plan over to Tony Schiavone by email. And uh, it, as it just so happened, about a week prior to that, someone he works with in radio had said, man, you've got to listen to this guy Conrad Thompson's podcast. He does one with Ric Flair and he does one with Bruce Pritchard." The one with Flair's good, but the one with Bruce is unbelievable. It's all about, you know, deep dives from the WWF, and if you could do a podcast doing deep dives for WCW, you should do it with Conrad. It would be awesome. So, I didn't know him, or that any of that had happened, so when I sent him this long business plan, he thought, man, this is a sign, so he replied to my 14-page business plan with two words, I'm in, and uh, we were off and running.
0: Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like, you put 14 pages in, and I'm in. That's the two magic words for you. Yeah. Yeah, it was incredible. What, what's actually been, I guess, from... Um, this will be a difficult question to answer, so I'll say it in a broad way. What, what's been your favorite episodes so far from yourself, if you're looking at it from, I guess, a, uh, a fan point of view?
1: You it's know, hard to say. Uh, Halloween Havoc 95 is probably the funniest episode we've ever done with uh, Tony Schiavone. I also really enjoyed uh, my year in the WWF. I felt like that was really, really heavy on content. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Halloween Havoc 95 is really heavy on laps. War Games 2000, kind of similar. It's an over-the-top silly show. Yeah. And then on Bruce's show, you know, I think one of our most underrated shows is probably WWE CW because there's so much meat on the bone there. The Jim Cornette one is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, I think the Sunny episode is one of the more underrated shows, just sure. based on uh, the level of detail that she provided in her book that had never really been discussed. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, uh, the Ted DiBiase episode is one that I think maybe people have just sort of forgotten about, but he had such a spectacular run in the company. Yeah. It's still, it's still one of my very favorite episodes. Out of the most recent stuff we've done, nothing compares with Bret Hart ninety six, ninety seven. If there's such a thing as a podcast masterpiece, that's probably as close as I'm capable of getting.
0: I would agree. I would agree. Um, speaking of the Teddy DiBiase one, believe it or not, that's actually next in my playlist. So uh, I'm looking forward to hearing that, especially after getting your seal of approval, which I'm sure all of your shows will get your seal of approval, but... And um, that's kind of just solidified for me that I need to listen to that one next. But the Brett one, yeah, it was an absolutely incredible, uh, it was an incredible thing. Because you, as you said at the very, very start of the podcast, it's uh, it, it's, probably the biggest story in wrestling history, really. You know? Um, I don't think anything can top it, really, can it?
1: No, I mean, not that I know of. You know, there's yeah. lots of interesting stories out there. But for me, it was the height of my fandom. And so... Yeah. Uh, and and it was a really interesting time in the business where there is competition and there is another place to work and Vince is having to play for behind creatively and I think a challenged Vince and a motivated Vince is the best Vince and with all of that you've got DX and Stone Cold and it's just an interesting time in the business so yeah I think that's probably my favorite time to be a fan 1997 is my favorite year and um the Bret Hart story, to me, is the story of 1997.
0: I suppose I'll ask you this question as a fan, Conrad. Um, and I, you know, because there was a couple of times where I thought Bruce might might uh, might touch on it during that particular episode. Um, he kind of agrees along because I mean he's, he 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 comes from a, a WWE point of view. Where do you think personally that WCW went wrong with Bret? you know i mean it was such a it, it was money there like where they could have really capitalized and they didn't where do you think personally that they went wrong with him and and maybe and um, bruce may have may have taught the same
1: you know it's hard to say i um i think that it would have been challenging no matter what because they had never had a performer like that down there in terms of Someone who's really more about the wrestling. You know, at that time, WCW was mostly all about promos. Yeah. Hogan would do the long-winded promos. Scott Hall would do the survey says. You know, you've got all of that. And then Brett's going to come in really as one of the hottest heels in the business. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Hogan is the hottest heel of the business. But he's right up there. And they're not really sure how to position him. And they position him as a babyface. But if you would have positioned him as a heel, he would have been second fiddle to Hogan. But he can't really be the top babyface because you've been building Sting for an entire year for that spot. Yeah. So I think I think Bret was sort of doomed from the jump. You right. know, he, there wasn't a top spot available, and I know that a lot of Bret Hart fans don't want to hear yeah. that, but it's true. You can't, you can't, as the leader of the NWO who has been this unbeatable guy who's sort of run roughshod, you can't just take his spot right away because you're a month away from your biggest pay-per-view of all time, Starcade 97. Well, at the same time, you've been building a babyface to the point where he hasn't even had a match in over a year, and this is finally going to be his crowning moment. Yeah. But you can't really make him the top babyface over that guy either. So you have to sort of say, hey, do you want to be second fiddle to Sting as a babyface, or second fiddle to Hogan as a heel, and if we know anything about Bret Hart, it's that he doesn't want to be second fiddle to Hulk Hogan on anything, so he probably assumes the place to be is across the ring from Hogan, not standing behind Hogan. Yeah. So, if he chooses the babyface thing, well, you've just told this same wrestling audience for the last year that they're a bunch of assholes, and, yeah. and you're a superhero. So, it's... He's doomed from the start, unless he goes in as a heel, but he won't do that because he doesn't want to be second to Hogan, and really, I don't know that the, he ever had an opportunity to succeed, because he winds up being positioned very early on with a feud with Ric Flair, which is great, but by you know late 97, early 98, Flair wasn't positioned as a top guy. Flair was positioned as a B player. Now, he would have, you know, later on, he would move back up the card and into the main events, but he's working with Kurt Henning, who is not nearly the Mr. Perfect that we knew a half a dozen years prior, Sure. and they're working for the U.S. title. So, very quickly, after being interjected in the main event, which was screwed, by the way, now um, we're going to position him with Flair, which is awesome, but Flair has just been positioned as a B player on the card right now. Yeah. I just think from from every possible angle and aspect, Brett was doomed to fail in WCW.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. I think um, I mean going on it from that point of view, I would have I would have just had him in as a heel in the NWO and possibly not have him do anything for for a little while. It would might have been the smarter booking, but hey, you know who am I? You know, um, it's just yeah, that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? And it's true because Sting had been. Really built up to that rivalry, uh, Hogan. As you said, there was no hotter heel at the time in that company. So yeah, it was. It was. It was a doomed. Uh, it was a doomed situation. I tell you what, Conrad. I've got something for you that might bring a bit of humor to you. I have a segment that I run on every show called Dynamo's Strange and Funny Tales from the Week." Okay, so I'm going to give you some laughs here. Hopefully, some laughs and some some festive cheer, maybe. Okay, so. This, this comes from Toronto, all right? <laughs> it's a story of a, a, a Santa basically getting attacked in a Toronto department store. Are you interested yet? Sure. <laughs> so, a woman went on a bizarre fell melted rant at a shopping center claiming he wasn't even real, all right? This woman is dressed like a monk, by the way. You can find the video online. You're not magic, you don't even have a fucking sleigh. Santa subjected to an extraordinary abusive rant in a shopping centre. Saint Nick did not even engage with the woman, who was dressed in a black and grey, it was like a a monk outfit, as she screamed at him while standing at the entrance to his grotto. A bemused passerboy filmed the bizarre rant at the Duffermain Hall in Toronto, Canada this week. They later uploaded the footage online writing, was at Dufferin Mall in Toronto this past week and saw this woman completely flip out on the mall Santa. Santa brushed it off and he did not even engage with the woman. Footage shows the unna- unknown woman saying, you're not magic, you're not even fucking real. Santa Claus did his best to ignore the insults during the 30 second clip He eventually got up and walked away as the woman continued to accuse him of not being real as she followed him. The witness added that he saw the woman later being questioned by three security guards a few yards away from the Santa area. Now, that's either some crazy amount of drug intake or... uh, I don't know. What do you make of that one, Conrad? Drugs are a hell of a thing, man. (laughs) Do you know what? That's the, the, There's nothing more you can really add to that. <laughs> now, here's one, here's one from closer to, to, to my area, okay? This is the headline. This is in one of our local headlines here. Pensioners caught having sex in a house of Fraser barred from shopping centers. Okay, now, this has definitely got your interest, I'm sure. I guarantee a Tony Schiavone would like this one. Okay, so two men have been barred from shopping centers after they were caught having sex in the toilets of House of Fraser. Jerry Joyce, 68 years old, and Charles Lowe, 73 years old, did not know one another before they went to the toilets at the store in Nottingham, England, into Victoria Centre. Prosecutor Lee Shepherd said a security guard went into the toilets and saw them stood next to each other at the sinks. One had his trousers up, the other down. Suspicions had been raised by a female shop worker who asked the security guard to go and check what was happening. When they were caught in the act, the pensioner, with his pants down, quickly pulled up his trousers and said, I'm sorry. They've now admitted sexual activity in a public laboratory and were both fined 235 pounds each. Yeah, your thoughts. Ah, I'm glad I live in Alabama. <laughs> You don't get that carry on in Alabama. It'd be fed to the cru- fed to the gators, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like this is this is the thing. I used to call it Dynamo's Funny Stories, and I used to pitch it to guys that would come on the show and I found that some of these stories weren't actually funny, they were just strange, you know. So I said, you know what, these stories that I'm finding I'm gonna have to change the name to Dynamo's Strange and Funny Tales from the week because literally it shows that humanity is really not all there at times to be fair but uh, I thought I'd throw that in just to uh, segue from wrestling for just a moment and uh, but we'll go back to it now you're a bit of a I guess you would be a bit of a wrestling historian would that be would that be a fair fair way of saying things
1: no nah, historian gives me too much credit man I'm not I'm not actively researching anything other than... You know, show prep. So okay, fair enough. I, you know, Jim Cornette, Mark James. You know, there's a lot of really, really um, well-versed wrestling historians. Obviously, a Wade Keller. You know, a um, a Dave Meltzer. These guys are real wrestling historians. I'm just a fucking mortgage guy with a podcast.
0: <laughs> Where did the mortgage guy come from?
1: Well, I had to explain who I was. You okay. know, because I know a lot of people are going to want to know. Hey, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, and so, I, for years, I've programmed myself in my phone, and then shared my contact information with potential customers. Yeah. As Conrad, the mortgage guy, because they're not gonna remember my last name, and, and they may, they're probably gonna confuse my first name. They'll think I'm Chad or Chris or whatever. So, <laughs> if I just program myself in my phone as Conrad, the mortgage guy, and then share my contact information that way, whenever they're scrolling through their contacts, there it will be. You know, one of the only entries under mortgage. So that just became my my gimmick on the show because it is, you know, what I do for a living. So we jokingly talk about how somehow Brother Love and The Mortgage Guy have the number one podcast in sports and recreation, which doesn't make any sense.
0: Okay. And it's been brought to my attention only about, I would say, three hours ago that there apparently was, because I know a guy, um, Brendan Reed, I'm going to give him a shout out. Give Brendan Reed a shout out there. up, Brandon? (laughs) He told me to ask you this question, actually. Um, Apparently, now this could be sheets as well, that you had some sort of beef or something with Eric Bischoff. Is that even correct in any way, shape, or form? I mean,
1: not necessarily. You know, Eric's full of shit, and he he says make-believe stuff on Twitter. Okay. And uh, I mention it. And occasionally we'll have something on the Tony Schiavone show that I'll say makes absolutely no sense and feels like a waste of money and a decision that a promoter who was doing it with his own money would never do. Yeah. And when people tag Eric and try to stir it up, he tries to defend it and says, oh, well, this was said by somebody who's never actually promoted anything, but I have promoted. And uh, it's the number one wrestling podcast. Meanwhile, he doesn't fucking have one. So, that's as far as the beef
0: got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that 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 clarifies it for me. Anyway, I didn't even know it was it was in existence, but but that is true. I mean, <clears throat> the the amount of things that I've heard Bischoff say, and, and I know actually was a fan of his show initially because he came across as nice and quiet and said nothing, and you know just kind of talked about you know the history of that he was involved in. But then I noticed he was kind of I seen him he was jumping on Brett now recently because Brett kind of called him out and said a few things and. But he always seems to have a different answer to different things. So maybe you're right. Maybe he is just full of shit. Yep, I would agree. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, do you watch any of the? Uh, do you watch any of the current product at all? I do, yes, sir. You do? Okay. Um, would you be like me, where you find yourself maybe recording it on your DVR and then fast forwarding through most of it, or? Yeah, but I do that
1: with everything. I do that with the old stuff, too. You know, I, okay. I think we're all different. You know, if, yeah. if if I was a wrestling fan in 1990 and I had today's technology, I would fast forward that stuff, too. You know, I'm going to look for what I enjoy. And once upon a time, we didn't have the opportunity to do that unless we recorded it. And even then, if it was on VHS, I was going to fast forward to the parts I really cared about. I, I think wrestling has been that way my entire life, at least for me. There's things I care about, and there's things I don't. And Uh, now I have the benefit of being able to just DVR it and fast-forward it and watch only what I want to. And I didn't really have that opportunity as a kid.
0: That's a good point. I I mean, do you watch much TNA? I mean, considering... uh, I don't, personally. I'm I'm going to be uh, straight up on that. I don't watch any of it. I do have a lot of people and friends that do watch it. But um, I much prefer to listen to a podcast that has uh, more downloads and viewers or, well, i say viewers, more listeners than TNA has, so, yeah. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, but it is true, though, (laughs) isn't it? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I
1: mean, it is true, but, you know, we've got more viewers than 205 Live and Lucha Underground and, you know, on and on and on, but in the end... It's a great time to be a wrestling fan, no matter what you're into. If you're into podcasts or if you're into you know more storytelling like they do on Lucha Underground or you really remember the glory days of TNA and you're excited for something new and an opportunity to hit the reset button, yep. or maybe you're into New Japan, you've got that too. There's so much for everybody, you know. and most of all, I guess Ring of Honor it is, to me, the real alternative to WWE these days.
0: Okay, yeah, that, that, that kind of leads me into something, actually, because we have, uh, in Ireland here, we have a bit of a wrestling movement. Ireland and the UK, I will always add, Ireland and the UK, because it's basically come from the UK, alright? Um, Ireland had no uh, wrestling um, at all, until um, Mr. Finn Balor, a.k.a. Fergal Devitt, and Paul Tracy, um, who is, by the way, one of the best coaches in the world anywhere, I'm just going to say Paul Tracy there, and... Um, they brought what they had learned over from NWA UK um, and brought it to us guys, okay? But what's happened now is that wrestling in the UK, in Ireland and in Europe, full stop, has really, really grown tenfold. It's, 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 like, it's like literally, I guess, you looking at the amount of downloads you may have had like the week before and then all of a sudden it was double that the following week, you know? It's kind of similar to what what's happened in, in, in wrestling in terms of the people that have gotten behind wrestling over here in the UK and Ireland and also the amount of talent that is coming out of the UK and Ireland. Um, I mean, you you probably heard of Jordan Devlin now. He's one of our guys as well. He's, he was part of the uh, the UK tournament as well. Um, he's just been signed. It's it's crazy because it's now a time where WWE are starting to look into, uh, into the European pool. You know, and
1: um, yeah, that, that's great. I, I'm excited to hear that you know you guys are blowing up over there. I've been hearing a lot about it and seeing some clips here and there. And Yeah, I know you guys have brought in some really big name talent and spent a lot of money to get them there. So, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting to know that wrestling isn't just in a resurgence here stateside but everywhere.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what I was gonna say. There, were, there was a couple of interesting things where um, you know, OTT is, is, is our kind of top company here we've got five factory pro wrestling and main stage wrestling as well a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of great kind of companies as well but um ott they bring that that's the company that would bring in all the big talent where do you stand on um, on comedy wrestling because i know there was a big kind of twitter war with like joey ryan with the with the i think i don't know what it's called the, 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 the dick move anyway whatever it is that he does and the, the grenades and all that kind of stuff and I know Jim Cornette absolutely hates it and I think that's where it was a bit of a Twitter war um, because Mick Foley was involved in it. Where do you stand on, um, on, on comedy wrestling yourself? You know,
1: different strokes for different folks. I, I like it when it's good. I don't like it when it's not good. And it's hard for me to You know, I'm not one of those guys who has a hard and fast opinion about all things. And I know sometimes Jim Cornette can step out, and he's very opinionated, Yeah. and he likes what he likes, and he thinks anybody who doesn't like what he likes is a fucking idiot. And I think that's hilarious, but there's a lot of stuff out there that I don't like that a lot of my friends absolutely love, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place. I don't think that, and obviously I'm just a fan, but I'm not arrogant enough to think that. I'm the only opinion that matters and and what I like is good and what everybody else likes is bad. And I just think there's something for everybody. You know, one of the best analogies I heard a long time ago is that a good wrestling show is a lot like the circus. There's something for everybody. There's the lion tamer, there's the trapeze artist, there's the clowns. You've got to have a little bit of everything and I'm okay with there being comedy on a show, but I do prefer my comedy to be funny and sometimes what we see presented is not always funny. Yeah. So, if, if it's good hardcore wrestling, I'm into it. If it's good comedy wrestling, I'm into it. If it's good storytelling wrestling, I'm into it. If it's good women's wrestling, I'm into it. If yeah. any of it is bad, I'm not into it. That's pretty simple to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's 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 pretty spot on, to be fair. I don't, uh, I don't disagree with that at all. I think there's something for absolutely everybody out there. I think maybe some of the comedy goes over the top a little bit in kind of making a little bit of a mockery of wrestling sometimes, if that's my own personal opinion um however i have a lot of friends that that do some great comedy stuff as well so i don't want to shit on them but at the same time you know it, it, you're true when you, you you're sorry you're right when you say um the likes of jim Cornette they come from an old school thing where they still want to protect the business unfortunately a long time ago that's you know that's dead and gone now everybody knows do you know what i mean sure so like the great magician that has that one trick but everybody knows it he's not it's not going to get over anymore. So you got to change it, you got to upgrade it, modernize it I suppose and uh, and go from there. Um so you say you watch the current product. Give me some of the guys that you enjoy watching these days.
1: Well, my absolute favorite performer to watch is Charlotte. Uh, I'm I'm friendly with her in real life of course and uh, she's my favorite. If she's on TV, I'm not going to miss it. But I don't know how you couldn't be entertained by a lot of the different stuff that the WWE is presenting right now. Yeah, I think everybody's an AJ Styles fan. I think everybody's yeah. a Nakamura fan. Um, I think it's appointment television whenever Brock Lesnar has a match. Whether you love him or you hate him, you want to watch his match. Yeah, And you've got lots of talent, man. I, I think maybe a lot of underutilized talent, too. The Dolph Zigglers and the Bobby Roots and you know the Zack Ryder's. There's lots of those guys hanging around who... Have just talent for days, and they're just waiting on the right opportunity. I think the Miz has quietly had probably the best year in the company.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, from from anybody, just an all-around great performer. I thought uh, the stuff that Jericho and Kevin Owens did last year is phenomenal. I'm excited to see Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens doing something again. Yeah, you know, there's lots of good stuff on the show, and yes, there's some not so good, but. As I said, if I go back and I watch something from nineteen ninety seven or nineteen eighty seven, I'm gonna feel the same way. There's gonna be some stuff I really like and then some not so great stuff. Yeah. I gotta I gotta
0: ask this question actually because I heard just a couple of snippets as well on your podcast. Um, Finn Balor Bruce Pritchard seems to like Finn Balor quite a bit. Okay. Is that would that is that right? Is he a bit of a bit of a fan of, of Finn? Ah, uh, we don't talk about it, so I don't know. <laughs> um, what What do you think of Finn Balor yourself? And the reason I ask is because it's going to segue into uh, into something else that involves Vince Russo. So,
1: now I'm a fan of Finn Balor. You know, I was familiar with his work before he ever came over. I do feel like he's had the worst possible luck, injury wise. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know that he's still fully recovered from the SummerSlam injury. Obviously, he has recovered, but I mean in terms of feels like he had a ton of momentum going into that match with Seth Rollins, and coming back, it feels like he's yet to recapture that. But a lot of that is storyline-based, and I'm sure they'll give him something soon enough, and everybody will be able to sort of sink their teeth into it. But, you know, with uh, his match with AJ, that was a replacement for the Sister Abigail thing when Bray got sick, all of that stuff was really, really good. And, and, and we know he's very, very capable of putting on a tremendous match. But how to present that character... Uh, the way Vince McMahon is comfortable with it in a big way, I think they're still trying to figure that out. But you know you've got all the talent in the world to work with.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, the reason I say that is because I tried to get Russo on this show because Russo has kind of went above and beyond um, with his bashing of, of Finn Balor. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with it, but um, one particular quote was, I'm, a 50, uh, I'm in my late 50s, and I'm a guy that in real life could probably kick Finn Balor's ass, and I live by a lake. The guy looks like a skinny Fonzie, and this is what we're working with. So so that's 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 actual quotes from Vince Russo, to which I put to him, and uh, he still wouldn't come on and, and explain why he said that, but he said it was just... Well, a
1: because he said it to get attention for himself. Yeah. I mean, come on, he's trying to start up and and get people talking and create some conversation and that's what social media is about and sometimes people say outlandish things to make a spectacle of themselves and you've got to appreciate what we're covering is a business that's made uh, based on the premise that you're trying to quote unquote get yourself over which means make a spectacle of yourself and that's what he's doing and he's doing a good job at it so shout out to Vince for understanding the way the business works
0: (laughs) fair enough that's absolutely fair enough um, yeah, it's true. I mean, Vince is always still quite colourful in in what he says, and he doesn't uh, doesn't hide his hide his opinions. But I guess um, you know, in in terms of uh, what you're doing, as I said, keep doing what you're doing. I've been absolutely uh, privileged for you to come on the show today. I'm really, really thankful. You, you, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule to to come on and and speak to me and my listeners. Um, you know, I've learned a lot actually just talking to you here for this hour um, in terms of uh, how to, to view, you know, what people want to hear from podcasting as well. It's not too dissimilar from the wrestling business. And um, I, I thank you, Conrad.
1: Hey, man, it means a lot to be invited on. I want to encourage everybody to check out Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard Fridays at noon Eastern. You can catch that at somethingtowrestle.com. And then on Monday morning, in time for your ride to work at 6 a.m. Eastern, Check out whwmonday.com as we rehash all the great memories from World Championship Wrestling and Jim Crockett Promotions with Tony Schiavone. So it's whwmonday.com, it's somethingtowrestle.com, and I am at hey hey, it's Conrad on Twitter. I'd love to have your follow and do some talking about wrestling. Uh, anybody can DM me or tag me or let's chat it up about professional wrestling. And I appreciate the opportunity to uh, come on here and talk with you today.
0: I really appreciate that, Conrad, and uh, why don't you give a little shout-out as well about where people can find some of the merch that you guys sell as well. If you'd like to get a shirt uh, to support the show, and it
1: is the fastest and easiest and cheapest way and most fun way to support the show, you can go to BrucePritchard.com or lowestrules.com. LoisRules.com is where you'll find a bunch of hilarious shirts for Tony Schiavone, and uh, BrucePritchard.com has all your shirt needs, including... The new fanny packs that say doot, doot, dude, dude" on them just in time for Christmas. Uh, it's going to be the item this year. And what's great about buying a shirt from either Bruce or Tony is whenever you pick up a shirt, they personally call and thank you. So for $25, bucks, you are getting a really cool piece of wrestling merchandise, but you're also getting a call from somebody you grew up enjoying on television. It's, uh, it's a lot of value for very little money, and it makes a really awesome Christmas present. So when you're getting ready to place that order, uh, make sure you put your friend, whoever your gift recipient is going to be, put their cell phone number in, and then they're going to get a call and uh, a great shirt as well. But what a nice surprise it would be for the wrestling fan in your life, for their phone to ring, the answer, and on the other side, it's brother love. That's pretty cool. Check it out, BrucePritchard.com or LoisRules.com, and just in time for Christmas.
0: Well, you know what? I think I'm going to give myself that gift as well, Conrad. Absolutely.
1: Uh- I, li- I like it. I recommend it. I talk to those guys for three or four hours a week on the phone. So, uh, everybody deserves a chance with those guys.
0: Absolutely, my friend. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, like I say, cannot wait to hear the next episode with Jake the Snake, which drops on Friday. Is that correct?
1: That's right. Jake the Snake Roberts will be out on um, December 1st at noon Eastern. Yep. Uh, it's going to be nearly four hours, well over three and a half hours on all things Jake the Snake. The week after that, we've got the Steiner brothers, and we'll include Scott Steiner's singles run in the WWE as well. Awesome.
0: I love it. Conrad, been an absolute pleasure, my friend.
1: Thanks for having me on, man.
0: Take care, my buddy. Well, what an amazing show that I had there with Conrad Thompson from Something to Wrestle With with Bruce Pritchard and from What Happened When with the voice of WCW, Tony Schiavone. But now it is time for Thoughts from the Deep. I'm going to end the show um, with my thoughts from the deep. And first of all, um, on Thoughts from the Deep, I want to thank absolutely everybody for the huge support. Um, So far, it's been an incredible journey um, that we've all had together. And I say we because you guys have helped make this show um, really successful over the past three months. Uh, We are well, well over 1,000 downloads in the space of three months. And that number continues to rise on a daily basis. Um, I want to thank you guys and gals um, for continuing to to, to help me out. And if you want to keep helping me out, please go to iTunes, leave a rating subscribe and like and leave a comment even if the comment is bad it just makes you make sure that you hit that five star rating and um, you can find me on ian kelly 800 at podbean.com as well and um, that would be uh that would be wise to, to 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 go there if you're looking to kind of get the backlog of of uh of stuff that we do ian kelly 800.podbean.com um, At at Dozen on twitter is where the at was, uh, was thrown in, between 800 and Podmin. um, Facebook, please again go to the Dynamo's Dozen page, please share, please review, um, leave some comments of what you would like from upcoming shows, and, uh, and yeah, just, just hit me up with what you want, what, how can we make this show better, um, we're available on all Android devices as well, and, uh, Pretty much looking at the uh, looking at the analytics, it's it's uh, it's Android that seems to be uh, the the big thing these days. People are obviously listening to more Androids than they are on uh, on iPhones. So there we go. Um, this week, though, I do have a lot of talking points on uh, thoughts from the deep. Um, starting off with Finn Balor, we we just talked uh, to Conrad there about Finn Balor, and he believes that Vince Russo is uh, is only basically. Trying to get some, um, trying to get some conversation going. So, let's have some conversation. Finn Balor over or not? Well, I think it's quite obvious that Finn Balor is over. I think the fact that um, if you look at the 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 statistics on WWE's own website, the fact that he finished with forty one percent of the votes when a question was put to the WWE Universe, um, that was who do they want to see face Brock Lesnar next, and Finn Balor by a good 20% won, um, when he ended up on 41%, and I think Braun Strowman ended on 21%, that could be incorrect on that, but you know, like I say, leave a comment on one of the mediums that I've mentioned above, and uh, let me know if I am, um, so Finn Balor is quite obviously over, um, what they do with him right now, I do not know, but I think maybe... Uh, maybe in the grand scheme of things, they have something planned. Uh, I think it's not quite clear-cut by seeing him getting beaten up by Kane because they are trying to put over Kane so that they can uh, they can build himself and Strowman. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Finn is just going to be a mid-carder and be a, a job guy. So um, the Finn Balor over or not thing is really not a question for me. I think it's quite obvious what Finn is obviously doing on his Twitter it's absolutely hilarious, and knowing the guy personally, I know that's just his wit, and he will continue to do that and work all of the uh, all of the people in the process. And I think uh, I think he's doing a great job at that. And um, what else have we got? David Hay and Tony Bellew's fight has been rescheduled, and um, due to David Hay uh, pulling out with a bicep injury, so. I thought this was game over personally, but um, apparently um, Tony Bellew still wants to, to have this fight, but he wants it in the new year, but he wants them to have a preliminary fight before they meet um, at some some date in the new year. Um, I think it, it, this fight does need to happen. We need to, to kind of have a resolution on, um, on 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 the result purely because the first fight was a bit of a clusterfuck. Um, David Haye obviously he rolled his ankle wasn't comfortable boxing as you would be and um unfortunately he wasn't able to continue the fight but now i definitely want to give a big big shout out to my boys down at fight factory and um, you know i always uh i always do this fight factory pro wrestling if you want to be a pro wrestler please go to fight factory uh on facebook check out exactly where they are Um, down in uh, Osbury Road, and it is an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal wrestling training school. You can be trained by guys like Phil The Trill Boyd. You can be trained by Katie Harvey. Uh, You can be trained by Alexander Dean, and you can also be trained by the biggest podcast episode member that we have had, which is Just In Shape. Yeah, so please... um, Go and uh, go and check it out because these guys are, are the best in the business at training uh, training pro wrestlers. Um, which leads me on to white collar wrestling is something that I need to talk about. It's on December the eighth in the hangar and Saint Andrews Lane in Dublin. Um, you can go to eventbrite.ie Um forward slash e forward slash white collar wrestling tickets you can just type in white collar wrestling into your google device and it will um it will will show you exactly uh how you can get tickets for that it's friday december the 18th at 6 p.m um it's going to be ireland's first ever joe's versus pro's white collar wrestling event um it, it's going to be phenomenal you can uh, also these tickets are selling out absolutely like hot cakes and I got to be honest with you you need to go on you can make a donation as well this is for one of the best causes that any wrestling event has been uh, any any wrestling event in, in in Ireland or Europe I'm sure that has ever taken place. White call it wrestling. It's basically a fundraising event with all profits going towards Mags EDS Surgery Fund and that's to enable a um, 33-year-old Mags Forkin to regain her quality of life um, after she had a, a horrible diagnosis with EDS and uh, all of the associated symptoms. Mags received absolutely no support from the Irish government in combating this rare and degenerative disorder And Mag's EDS Surgery Fund uh, aims to raise the €150,000 that she needs to give her the means to reclaim her life. Uh, So, this is is an absolutely phenomenal show and I urge everybody to, to go and get a ticket. Now... On that topic, tickets are selling out quick, like I just mentioned. So you need to go and you need to uh, to, to purchase a ticket right now. It's going to be phenomenal. The main event was announced as Jordan Devlin versus Sammy D, two of the best wrestlers on the planet. Um, that, in particular, is something that I am really, really looking forward to. Um, you're basically getting four guys that have never, ever stepped in the ring before um and they are going to go against some some irish talent that have been around for a long long time including the likes of phil boyd and uh, justin shape and it's, it's just going to be an absolutely phenomenal uh, event and i would really really appreciate it if you guys could uh, could come and see the show you can drink beer you can have fun you can shout at who you hate you can cheer who you love and it's just going to be an absolutely phenomenal event, uh, there is no reason why you would not want to be there, um, we get some festive cheer going, I am going to be recording a live podcast from that show as well, I'm going to be speaking to some absolute Irish wrestling legends backstage, I'm going to be speaking to guys that are just starting out, and it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal show, um, I urge everybody to please go on to eventbrite.ie and, uh, purchase your ticket, and be a part of an absolutely historic event, and know that your money is going to an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal cause, um, that about wraps it up for this week, um, thank you for uh, for listening, um, like I said, please go on to uh, iTunes, leave a rating, subscribe, like, leave a comment, give me all that good shit, uh, Ian Kelly 800podbeancom at Dynamo's Dozen on Twitter and all Android Android devices are supported. So, next week we are going to have uh, the Killer B, Brian Blair, chairman of the Cauliflower Alley Club as well. For all you knowledgeable wrestling folk, you'll know exactly what that is. Um, it is one of the biggest um, Hall of Fames that any wrestler can can be a part of. Um, and I would like you all to uh, to, to continue supporting me, and uh, we will see you next week. Dynamo over and out.